Good morning, Covenant College. Open your Bibles, please, if you have them, to Philippians 4. We're going to look at verses 2 to 13. Listen carefully. This is God's holy and inerrant word. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Pray with me. Father God, on this beautiful morning, we pray that your spirit would work by and with the word to renew our hearts and our understanding that we might know you better and love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our, home, our family was at home. I can see I'm going to be fighting this the whole time. I'm going to close it. Um, our family was home on leave from East Africa, and it was my job to take my son David to school. It had snowed heavily during the night, so I went outside dug the car out of the snow, cleared the windscreen, warmed it up, and drove David to school. But it wasn't till I got to the circle with the flagpole and turned to say, have a great day, that I realized he wasn't there. I'd driven off without him. And David went up and said, Mom, Dad just left without me. Sometimes we forget the most important things. Like, maybe we've forgotten who's in control. 
Dennis Johnson calls it a kind of practical deism. Yes, we believe there's a God, but we really think that he sort of set everything in motion and then left us to fend for ourselves. He's not aware of the pandemic. He doesn't care about the political strife and controversy in our nation. He's not concerned about social justice in our communities. And we find ourselves gripped with anxiety because we act as if we're orphans. And the Apostle Paul wants to give us an antidote to that. He wants to say, listen, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you can be ready for anything, anything at all through the strength of the one who works in you. So don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. I'm gonna look at that in terms of what Paul has discussed here in three places. First of all, controversies and concerns. And then cares, the, the sorts of things that weigh us down in changing circumstances. First of all, Paul talks about conflict and controversies. We live in an age that has more conflict, political, social, economic, than I have seen at any time in my lifetime. And I was alive in 1968, which was not that great a year. How do we navigate that within the body of Christ? Uh, Paul gets very personal here. He talks about two women who are on the leadership team of the church at Philippi, Euodia and Syntyche, and he says, listen, I need you to agree in the Lord. Come together. We don't know what the dispute was. I'm pretty sure it wasn't some kind of petty argument. Uh, they were part of the leadership team. Uh, you know that in Acts, Paul or Luke tells us that Paul actually planted that church, starting with a prayer group of women who met at the river. And my suspicion, though I can't prove it, is that they disagreed not about strategic goals, but about tactics. How do we accomplish what we think God is calling us to be and to do in this place, in this generation? And their division became so pronounced, it fractured the unity of the body. And so Paul says, you've got to come together. You've got to agree in the Lord. And he actually calls out one of his partners. He says, true partner, might have been Timothy, we don't know. Help these women. And the rationale he gives is, our names are written in the book of life. Look to your left. Look to your right, look in front, look behind. You're going to be with these same brothers and sisters for all of eternity. So we've got to learn how to get along now. I know it can be hard. Uh, we as faculty and staff and administration are asking you to wear masks and to social distance and to keep your close contacts to a few people we're having to do very odd things in the classroom uh, using Panopto, something I didn't even know existed six weeks ago. Um, we're asking you to study under extraordinary circumstances. And we all agree on the goal. We want to stay healthy. We want to be here till Thanksgiving. But we don't all agree on the strategy. 
Some of us think that the protocols are effective and good, and some of us aren't so sure. But God is calling us to agree in the Lord because we belong to one another. There's an election coming up. The next nine weeks are going to be something else. And there are going to be conversations on campus, in class, and on the halls, and in your dorms. And sometimes tempers are going to flare as people see the world from radically different perspectives. How do we navigate that? Roger Nicole, in his article, Polemic Theology, said, we have to ask ourselves two questions. What do I owe to my brother or sister who disagrees with me? First and foremost, he said, I owe them the respect as an image bearer to listen to them and not to parse their words, but to really seek to understand what they mean with what they're saying. I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to win a brother or a sister. And then he said, ask the second question. If my duty to them is to love them enough to listen and understand, what can I learn from them? Maybe I'm mistaken in my views. Maybe I've got the emphasis out of balance and I need to, to come back to center with what the scripture really says. Maybe I can see something that I've never seen before by listening to my brother or sister. Look, this doesn't happen by accident. It requires intentionality. When tempers flare, when relationships fracture, we move towards one another quick to forgive, and even quicker to ask for forgiveness. While our team was getting ready to move to Dar es Salaam, we went through some team building exercises. Uh, one of them was we had to put a Lego set together. We were put in a room, all six of us. Uh, we were given the hospital Lego set and 30 minutes to build it. Two of us went to work without even looking at the directions just took a glance at the cover and started throwing bricks on top of each other. That so frustrated one of the other team members that she grabbed all the pieces for the ambulance and went off in the corner. Um, our team leader was trying to arrange the lights so that we could see the chaos more clearly. And our wives weren't even speaking to us. And at the end of 30 minutes, the consulting psychologist for Mission to the World walked into the room, looked at the completed ambulance, and the pile of bricks, and he said, you guys are gonna have to learn to work together. So get on with it. Beloved, you and I have to learn to work together. And Paul says, we're one in the Lord. Our names are written in the book of life. Let's agree in the Lord. And then he moves on to talk about maybe where most of us find ourselves this morning. What do you do in the face of anxiety? On the note card that blew off the podium, I had a lovely quote from Dr. Kapik um, from an article that he wrote on kingdom peace. But let me summarize what he says. And Dr. Kapik says, anxiety arises from the illusion of control. The illusion, oh, thanks, Chaplain. Okay. The illusion that we're in charge. 
Grant really wants to hear this. Okay, here it is. Beyond personal peace to kingdom peace. Anxiety arises when we live under the illusion that we're in control, that we fully understand what is wrong and how to fix everything. We grow anxious when we're certain our way is the right way and everybody else has to follow it. It's, it's a coping mechanism. And Paul says, it's not a healthy coping mechanism. Here's what you do in the face of anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord. J.B. Phillips says, delight in Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, I'm going to say it twice because you're not getting it. Don't put your eyes on your circumstances. Keep them fixed on the Savior. And don't worry about anything. Number one, it's bad theology, right? Uh, it's that practical deism that Dennis Johnson said doesn't work. Don't live as if God doesn't care, as if he isn't there. And secondly, he's in charge of all the providences that you and I will ever encounter. C.S. Lewis said, you might as well leave the future in God's hands because he's going to hold on to it anyway. So instead of worrying, which accomplishes nothing, you and I need to pray about everything. Look, that's not a pious platitude. It's not a cliche. It is acknowledging that the God who is there and who has spoken through his word and most fully in his son is working all things together for his glory and ultimately for our good, even when we don't realize how that's working out. And we commit it to him because he knows the plans that he has for us. And those plans are to give us shalom and a future with hope. And beloved, we could use some hope about now. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. And when we do that, there is a peace God promises that will transcend our circumstances. Here's the problem with looking at circumstances. We think that our happiness is linked to what's going on in our lives. Uh, one pastor put it this way. He said, if our happenings don't happen to happen the way we want them to happen, we're not happy. So take your eyes off your circumstances. Joy is found by delighting in the Lord, in fleeing to Christ, in putting your attention on him. And Paul will say, you, you've got to stop doom scrolling. Instead of listening to cable news and checking your news feed a hundred times a day, focus on what is true and honorable and beautiful and just and praiseworthy. Put your attention on those things. And the God of peace will stand guard over your hearts. It works on an individual level, but beloved, it works on a corporate level as well. The context of Paul's words has to do with this dispute between these two sisters. Dr. Caput goes on and says, this peace of Christ in his kingdom can't simply be about an individual personal peace. This peace is cruciform. It's always responding out of the love received from God himself. It cares for the physically and emotionally wounded, 
the vulnerable, the other, that cares for the least of his brothers and sisters. Yesterday, uh, my granddaughter, Isla, who's three, came over to play. And uh, well, I had a tutorial to give online at three. But after that was over, I heard her calling out, Papa, help. And I ran into the other room, and there she was. She was trying to pick up a whole bunch of Duplo blocks, and they were spilling out of her arms. Now look, it wouldn't matter what the need was. When I hear her voice cry, Papa, help, I run. And as long as I have breath, I will. Don't you think that our Heavenly Father, who gave his only son, will run when you and I cry out to him. Paul says the Lord is near. And maybe he's thinking of Zephaniah 3, where the day of the Lord is near, a day of wonders and judgment and salvation. I think he's thinking of Psalm 145. When we cry out to the Lord, he hears our cry and saves us. And whatever anxiety you're facing today, Don't bury yourself in it, but flee to Christ. Run to him. Tell him all about it. Commit it to him. Trust that he is working in your life and your circumstances. Because, beloved, our circumstances are going to change. They've already changed this semester um, in a way that we never imagined. And I don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic or with the um, the vaccine that we hope is coming or how long it will take before we'll be able to be face to face in the classroom and you'll be able to hug each other and we'll be back in athletic competition. I don't know what that looks like any more than I know what the job market will be like for you seniors when you graduate. But I know this, that by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can be ready, Paul says, for anything. He says, I, I'm just grateful. He's writing to the Philippians for a gift that they sent him. But he says, I'm just grateful as well because God's using you to bless me. He said, it's, it's not that I need the help. I can be content. He says, I know what it's like to have a lot. And I know what it's like to make do with a little. I've been hungry. I've been full. I've had plenty. I've been in want but I'm okay with whatever God has planned because I know at the end of the day I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is a recognition that Jesus is the Lord of the universe and the only hope of the world. That's an acknowledgement and crying out to him that we can't fix this. Only he can. And in acknowledging that and in running to him, we have the opportunity to see him through the Holy Spirit that works in us, work wonders, answer prayer in unexpected ways, comfort our heart when, humanly speaking, there is no reason to be comforted. Because, as the author of Hebrews 13 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Who am I going to fear? Right? If, if Jesus is walking through every moment of today with you, put it another way, what have you got to be worried about or to be afraid of? 
you have the Lord of the universe at your side. It doesn't mean we don't go through hard times, but it does mean he will go through them with us. Uh, during our time living in Kenya, I was teaching at a seminary, and one day I got an invitation to speak at a Christian camp. I, I think, though I can't be certain, that it's the one that Brett Borland worked at on staff for a number of years. Uh, I do remember it was on the north side of the Nairobi Game Park, and so I taught my classes, drove out there about dusk, um, parked, went inside, talked to the organizer of the conference. He said, hey, a couple of things have changed since I emailed you, and I said, sure, what, what's happening? He said, well, first of all, uh, that text we told you to prepare to talk on, the guy right before you got confused and he spoke on that text. So talk about something else, anything. Just talk about something else. And I went, okay. This is like every preacher's nightmare that they're gonna stand up and have nothing to say. And then he said, and just one more thing. You noticed that it started raining. And I said, yeah. He said, well, in this particular area, when the rains come, the termites swarm into the air. And he said, so we want you to speak in the dark in the dining hall to 150 kids. And I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to talk about something I haven't prepared and to do it in the dark? And he said, yeah, that's, that's it. And he said, but, but you got 15 minutes before we start. My anxiety was through the roof. What do you do in a moment like that? You cry out, Jesus, send me the helper. I said, Holy Spirit, you arranged it so I'd be here. You have something you want to say to these kids. I don't even know right now what it is, but will you work by and with your word to touch their hearts? And beloved, I spoke with more freedom and power than in any time before and maybe since as God showed up in power. I know he wants to do that for you today. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Because with the power of Jesus that works in us, we can be ready for anything. Amen and amen. Pray with me. Father God, would you work in every heart to calm our fears to refocus our eyes on you, that we would truly believe your word in the gospel and watch to see you come in power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.